There ain't no room for the hopeless sinner Who would hurt all mankind just to save his own Pity on those whose chances are thinner There's no hiding place from the kingdom's throne There's a train a-coming Don't need no baggage You just get on board You need diesel's humming Don't need no ticket You just thank the Lord I need you, 
need you Though my world may fall I'll never let you go My Savior My closest friend I will worship you Until the very end Jesus Lover of my soul Jesus I will never let you go You've taken me From the miry clay Set my feet upon the rocks And now I know Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I was lost Oh, but now I'm found I was blind But now I see Was grace That taught my heart to fear and grace my fears believe how precious that grace of oh, the hour my food through the dangerous toys and snares we have already Begun. 
noless days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Millwood Church, we always try, we don't always succeed, but we always try on the first Sunday of each month to participate in the Lord's Supper. So this morning, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible teaches us, for whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body of the Lord. The Bible says that a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. The Bible teaches us in 1 John that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we'll confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. David teaches us in his word, he says, Lord, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. And so at this time, I ask that you would just close your eyes for just a moment and begin to examine yourself. The only measurement we have is the Word of God. We don't measure ourselves according to the world. We don't measure ourselves to our own standards, but there is only one standard, and that is the Word of God. And Father, we thank you this morning for the forgiveness of sins. We ask right now, Lord, to please have mercy on our souls, for we are weak people, Lord. And we humble ourselves before you even now in the name of Jesus. And we ask God that you would please cover us in your love and your mercy in Jesus' name. God's people said amen and amen. The Bible teaches us that 
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread. I want you to take the bread this morning in your right hand. The bread is a symbol of the body of Christ. It was beaten and bruised for you and I, for our justification, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said in John 6, 48 through 51, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is a bread which comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, which a man may eat and live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Can I get an amen? The Bible says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Do you believe in the healing of Jesus today? I believe in the supernatural power of the living God today. I believe by faith, if I trust the Word of God over what I feel, over what I see, over what I hear, over every element of my body, if I trust the Word over God, I can receive what I believe in. And I believe by faith, Jesus said that we are healed by His stripes. Lord, we take this symbol of your love today in the mighty name of Christ, and we remember you, your suffering on the cross, your beatings, Lord. Your scourging, Lord, even as they poured your beard, Lord, it was for a reason. And they crowned your head with the crown of thorns. And we praise you for your ultimate sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. And we receive and God's people receive. Jesus said also on the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The covenant in my blood. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And Jeremiah writes these words in Jeremiah 31 and 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, though they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make after that time, declares the Lord. I will forget, I will forget their sins and remember their sins no more. That's a great covenant. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and 22, in fact, the law requires that almost everything be cleansed without blood, with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Paul says, but and now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away, far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son who, whom he loves, through whom we have redemption through his blood. The Bible says, you are not your own. Hallelujah. You were bought by a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Hallelujah. Father, we take this blood.
this symbol of your life in our hands today, in our right hand, because we are a covenant people. And we trust, God, that through the shedding of your blood, there is a remission of sin. Lord, we have been redeemed from the penalty of ungodliness upon our lives. Lord, your blood covered our sins from the north, south, east, and west. Lord, you are the way maker. You said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through the Son. And through the blood of Jesus, we have full access into the holy of holies, into the presence of an almighty God. And Lord, cover us today in your love, in your blood, in Jesus' name, and God's people receive by faith. This morning, I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, please go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Now, while you're turning, I want to speak a little bit, some things that God has laid on my heart prior to this message. I guess we would say this would be our, our foundation to our lesson today. First of all, two words came to my mind this week, early this week, early in the morning, while it was still fresh on my mind. God laid two words on my mind. He said two words to me, and he said these are the two things that are going to happen when you preach this message this week. He said there will be conviction, but there will also be condemnation. And he reminded me to tell you this morning that conviction comes only from the Spirit of God. But he also reminded me to say to you this morning that condemnation comes only from the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said when conviction comes, you need to believe it, you need to accept it, and you need to receive it. Hallelujah. But when condemnation comes, you need to rebuke it, you need to reject it, you need to ignore it. That's a good word, hallelujah. And so this week, we're going to be looking at a man of God named Elisha. Now, Elisha was the servant of another great man of God named Elijah. And Elijah was taken up into heaven. He never died, never perished, but he was taken up into heaven by a whirlwind from God. But before Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha, the other man of God, his servant, asked God for a double portion of of the spirit that was upon his life. And we learn according to the word of God that God granted him a double portion of everything that Elijah had. In fact, he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah did. And so today we're going to be looking at one of those miracles 
And it's through this miracle today that God is going to use in this church as an, as an example of what he is desiring from this church. But he also would have me to remind you this morning, the same spirit, the same power, the same anointing that was on Elijah, on Elisha, on Jesus Christ himself is upon your life today. The same. Not different, not another, but the same. Everybody say the same. The Bible says in James 5, 17 and 18 that Elijah was a man just like you, just like me, just like us today, just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain on the land and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave the rain and the earth produced its crop. Jesus tells us in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power, that's dunamos, you shall receive dunamos, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. John 10 and 27, Jesus said, my sheep, everybody said, my sheep, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I believe Jesus also said, if anyone has faith in me, he will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, for I go to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, so you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7. Please stand for the reading of God's Holy Scriptures. Now, Kristen was being sneaky this week. And so she was wanting me to share the message prior to the message. And I said, no. And so she, she saw Miss Dola had texted me. She's like, what was the address? And so she's reading prior, trying to milk it out of me, but I just simply said, baby, I can't plant the seeds until it's time to plant the seeds. Come on, amen. And so now she can open up her ears and her heart and see what God has for us all. 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7, if you have your place, say amen. The Bible says the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied in verse 2, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars, but don't ask for just a few. 
Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. And she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Everybody says she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing, and she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just praise you this morning. And I come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Christ, my Savior. Lord, I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe he lived 33 years in his life, a sinless life. I believe by faith, God, that he was crucified He was buried, and on the third day, he was rose according to scriptures. I believe your word today is truth. I believe today that it's not an accident or a coincidence that we're here today, but I believe in divine appointments from the Most High. Lord, I believe that every soul in this room is here for a reason. Lord, I also believe that there's some people who are not in this room that should have been here because you called them. I believe even last week as we prayed, we prayed for people who drove by that they would be convicted to come to be part of this church. And they heard the word and they shut their ears and are not here today. I pray for their souls. I pray that you would even save them where they are. Lord, I pray in the name of Christ that today that the Word of God would manifest itself in this church. And I pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are my strength. You are my Redeemer. You are my God whom I trust. And surely, Lord, you shall deliver us today out of the hands of the enemy. Father, I ask today that the word would fall fresh on ears today that would hear, eyes to see, and minds that would receive your powerful word today. I pray that these lips of clay would speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you, God. I know with you, God, I can do all things. And if God is for me, who can be against me today? Lord, have your way in this service We praise you, we glorify you in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Now, I remind you, if you find conviction in your life today, then you need to respond to the conviction. If you find yourself being condemned today, I need to remind you that it's not me condemning you. It's the devil trying to lie to you, depress you, beat you up. He's good at what he does. I give him that. But to hell with the devil. Hallelujah. Can I say that? Hallelujah. It's true. His place is in hell. He's headed that way. I think Striper has a song called To Hell with the Devil. Hallelujah. 
Now, as you know, last week we finally brought our sermon series to a close that was entitled The Visible Marks of a Christian. And, and honestly, last week, I guess it was the barbecue. I, I don't know. I don't know how that I actually got through that sermon last week. You, you didn't see what I saw, but, but there was like 12 pages back here. And, and probably close to 50 verses. When I sent it to, to, to Skip and Brian, they probably about fainted. Hallelujah. There were so many. But I don't know how we got through that except only by the grace of God. Can I get an amen? But you see, when Sunday evening came, Kristen, I spoke to her and I said, Babe, I, I wonder, I just wonder where God will take us next week. And she's like, well... You didn't cover everything. There's still a few verses left. But you see, what she didn't know and what she didn't understand was that God had already spoken to me the past Tuesday, telling me that this would be the last week of the series. And what I didn't know was what God had planned for today, and that's the mystery. You don't know. I didn't know. She didn't know. But God knows exactly what he has planned for today. But let me just say this. Once we finish the sermon today, which is a very simple message to understand, you will know exactly. There's no way around it. You will know exactly what it is that God is requiring from you this week. The reason I say this week is because next week, as you know, we will be celebrating the Resurrection Sunday. And so God has a very, and I mean very specific word for each and every one of us today in the house of God. You can't leave this church and say, this message was not for me. Because I'm telling you, even as I see you today, that this message is for you. Do y'all get that? And I promise you, when you leave this room today, I will not be the most popular person in the building. But I don't care. Because I'm not trying to run for office. I'm not trying to be the president. I'm just trying to be faithful with what God has given me. If I like it, if I don't like it, I still preach it. And I can promise you, you will be convicted to the core. Can I get an amen? But let me just say this. If I was a prophet, and I'm not, but if I was a prophet, I would say this to you. If, if we would do exactly what he tells us to do this week, I can promise you, next week, we will have one of the most blessed, most powerful Easter sermons that we have ever had in this church from the history that we started, if we do what he says. So it's all in your corner right now. And so I want to start out this morning with the title of our lesson, which is the same question that Elisha had asked this widow in verse 2. The title today is simply this, what... Do you have in your house? You may want to write that down. What do you have in your house? I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, 
The Lord is asking you a very specific question. And I say you need to consider it and you need to answer it. The Bible says in Job 38 and 3, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And so with this question, I want you to get this thought in your mind. You have to get this thought in your mind. This is a key. God is not asking you for something that you don't have. If he's asking you for something, that means you do have it. Listen to what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. What does that say? God is not asking you from, for something that you don't have. In other words, he knows... You know, and I know exactly what you have, and God is asking you for it. He is requiring something from us today. Now, understand what, what was so powerful about the story in Matthew 12 and 41 through 44 and about the widow woman who came and gave her two small copper coins and put it in the plate. What made that story so powerful that it really didn't bless nobody else in the entire church but one man, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. He was blessed by her little offering. I want you to listen to the story. Jesus sat down opposite of the place where the offerings were put and watched. May I say this? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. So when that plate came by today, I can promise you, Jesus was sitting there watching what you put in the plate. He watched the crowd putting the money into the temple treasures, and many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. He said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasure than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Can you imagine? You know exactly what you have. Can you imagine that kind of faith? To take everything you have whoo, and empty it out and lay it in the plate. Two coins, $200 or whatever, and just empty it and just say, this is the best. This is all I have. The best I have. Pow. Everybody else is throwing out their abundance. Oh, I have plenty. I'll, I'll share a few coins here with Jesus. But that didn't catch his heart, did it? It was that woman who probably approached the tithing tray like this, sneaking up, that hoping nobody would see what she dropped in, embarrassed because what she gave did not compare in her eyes to what everybody else was giving. But when Jesus saw it, his heart went out to her. And even today, over 2,000 years right now, we are reading about what she did. 
We don't even know her name. But we know one thing, her rewards are great in heaven because over 2,000 years, people are still talking about what she gave. Hallelujah. Now, here's a little, little, little revelation for you to stew on, and I want you to think about this real deeply. The Bible teaches us that God has always started with nothing. Everybody says he starts with nothing. And so if you have very little today, that's actually more than enough for God to do something great in your life this coming week. But the key is to be faithful with what you have in your house. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not going to try to get my preach on today. I'm just going to walk through this, this simple message because I think we need to hear this. And so he says, I want, I want you to encourage my people with some words that prove my supernatural ability to do great things with nothing. And so we look in Genesis 1 and 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 and 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews 11 and 3, the Bible says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. God starts with And you say, oh, pastor, I have just a little. I'm saying that's too much. Because God can take your nothing. You see yourself today as nothing. I'm just a small, uneducated individual. I have no power. I don't even have much knowledge about the word of God. But God says, You're, you got too much. I still can use you, though. If you just trust me with what you have inside your house today. Don't think that God can't bless what you have. Because you are looking at a man that has nothing. But I'm being used every week with what I have. Are you with me so far? Now, we got to get hold of this. When God speaks to us like this, we can't just look at one side of the coin. In other words, we got to look at both sides of the spectrum. When, God's, when God is asking you right now, what do you have in your house? I don't want you to get caught up in, in just your natural house. That's okay. But what you need to get caught up more than anything else is, is what do I have inside of me that God has given me that God can use for his glory today? I, I, I remember it was just this past week, Thursday, that, that two men that I know very well went to a nursing home and shared the gospel with people. And because of it, three souls came into the kingdom of God because they had nothing. Walked in there with fear and trembling, nervous, but the anointing was fresh. The anointing was just waiting to be used. In the moment that these guys began to speak, the power began to flow. 
Just like the oil in the story. And, and I saw two men pouring out what they had into empty vessels. Jars that needed to be filled. Are you with me so far? Now, a lot of you, now, this is where y'all got to give me some grace, because you're not going to like this. I'm glad Tammy's not here. She would probably come down here and talk to me after the message. Lord, you're good. She treats me like an older sister. I like how Tammy treats me. She don't treat me like, like most women. She treats me like I'm her little brother. And I like that because she's, she's real bold with me. She's real direct with me. But she's also very compassionate with me. I, I love her. Hallelujah. But, but, but a lot of us, over the past few weeks, we have, we have brought a lot of things from our house. Tons of stuff. We've got two rooms filled with stuff for the garage sale. And I want to say I deeply appreciate it, but let me say this, but I'm convicted. I'm convicted about something in my spirit. Because in reality, what we have brought for the garage sale is all the things that actually means nothing to us. In other words, we're not even getting close to giving what is our best. What we, oh, y'all don't hate me now, but I'm just saying it. What we are offering unto God is a junk offering. Is someone with me today? No, 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 no. If, if we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to pay off the sign, let, let's go and get deep off into that banking account where it hurts. Oh, y'all wiggling now. If you want to be pleasing to God, then get down to where it hurts and give that way. And then when we have a garage sale, we change the name of it and say, let's have a giveaway. And as they say, everything is free. And everybody who comes up here and wants something, they get something that they need or want. And they walk away blessed. We leave blessed. Because I'm afraid that sometimes in our thinking, we may be just trying to turn the house of God, the house of prayer, into a den of robbers. And I sure don't want Jesus coming into this place and turning over some temple tables. And biblically, the way I see it, now just me, this is just me. But biblically, I, I, I think about this junk offering is like what it says in Leviticus 22 and 20. Do not bring anything with defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. Woo! Deuteronomy 17 and 1. Do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it for that would be detestable to him. I know y'all hate me. I love you. I love you. Malachi 1 and 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice... Is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? God said, you going to bring your junk to me as your offering? 
to pay off a sign that we have plenty to take care of business? Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. But understand that Jesus is not looking for your junk. He's looking for what he has put inside of you. And he don't want 5%. He don't want 10%. He wants 100% of everything he's given you. Because that's the offering that's pleasing to God. The best that you have. I don't go to the prayer room and give God my change. I don't go to the prayer room and try to impress people. I go to the prayer room to get low, to get empty, to get broken. Because when I know that I know that I go into that place and I empty myself, that is when I can leave filled. You cannot be filled with the power of God until you're empty. Let me tell you something. When tears fill your eyes and your heart is crying out to God and you leave the church, I can promise you, you will be filled with the power of the living God. And so God is calling us for more. Are you with me so far? I don't want to turn the house of God into a den of robbers today. Jesus says it like this. Luke 16, 10, 11. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You're saying, I, I want more power. I want more anointing. I want to be more of a woman of God. No, you don't. Because until you do, until you're ready to surrender everything, your children, your grandchildren, your wealth, your home, it all belongs to God. Let me just say this. When we die, you think people's going to care about your junk? No, they're going to gather up and keep what they like and sell all the rest because to them, it means nothing. But we're hanging on to stuff as though it could save us. Jesus would tell us point blank, may your stuff and you perish with it. We need to get on fire. We need to get real. We need to get empty. We need to get humble, and we need to get excited about what is excitable. Next week, we have a choice in this church. And we need to decide what we want more than anything else than our stuff. And so with that said, God has given us so much more than just natural things. He has blessed us with certain gifts. He has blessed you with talents. He has blessed you with abilities. And you think to yourself, I don't have it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Every single soul in this room. Why do I know that? I'm going to show you why. 1 Corinthians 1 and 7 tells us why. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. 
You do not lack any. Are you ready for more? Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us to do in advance. Before the foundations of the earth was laid. Before he spoke the word, he knew Roger, he knew me, he knew Terry, he knew Glitch. He knew Amber before. And at that time, he appointed, he set apart gifts. I'm going to give her this, I'm going to give him that, I'm going to give them all this and that. I will give them exactly what they need to take care of my business. My business. Hmm. So understand the same principle about that God can start with little or nothing goes hand in hand with what he has given you spiritually. I just want to be honest with you. I mean, flat honest. When I look at other preachers and I look at other singers and I look at other drummers, I think to myself, oh my gosh, God has given them so much more than he's given me. But let me just say this. I may not have as much to use. I may not be a great preacher. I may not be a great drummer or singer. But I'm taking the little that I have. I'm taking the little. I may not sing great, Roger. I may not hit them drums like I wished I could. But I'm taking that little amount he gave me, and I'm saying, you know what? It may not be much, it may not, but I'm going to take what I have, and I'm going to use every single bit of it for the glory of God. And so when I stand before him, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Can you imagine shaking the hand of the nail-scarred hands as he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, man, at that point, you're gone. You're on the floor, man. At that time, your eyes are flooding. And the Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order has passed away and the new has come. And he's going to give us these crowns. And, and all we have is crowns. It's like, I'm going to throw it at the feet of the king. I'm so unworthy. Are you with me so far? I look at Paul as he tries to explain himself. 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and 5. Everybody saw Paul as this great man of God. But listen to how Paul saw himself. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. He said, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching was not with the wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that men's faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul, even as educated he was, he gave all the glory to the king of kings. 
But I must forewarn you, in love, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to teach you the truth. Because I can feel it right now. Some of you may not like this. Tough, I can't help it. It's what it was dropped on my paper. It's what was in my pen. As I'm trying to try not to. Christian said, what's wrong with you? What, what are you going through? What, what's, what's up with you? See, you don't understand how hard it is to bring things that's going like on your toes. You think it's easy. It's not easy. It's the most difficult thing in the entire world to do. I would rather do anything in the world but preach. I can't help it. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. And I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I can't help but preach because he said, you're a preacher. I can't help it. It's like telling a dog, you can't bark. Boom! That's all he's going to do. He's a dog. Hmm. But I forewarn you today that if you think, if you think that you can sit in a church, any church, Week after week, month after month, year after year, and do nothing for the kingdom of God and not have to give an account, you have been badly mistaken. Every single one of us will give a full account. Romans 14, 11 and 12, as it is written, surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So that each of us will give an account of ourselves unto God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we all, everybody say all. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each man may receive what is due him for the things done in his body, whether good or bad. I'm going to give an account. You are going to give an account with what you have in your house. You're going to come to the Father and say, Lord, I, I just didn't have nothing to give. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Are y'all with me so far? Are you sitting on your talent? Are you sitting on your gifts? Are you sitting on what God has given you like, like it's going to be blessed because you've hidden it inside your cloth? In your clothes? No, 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 no. We need to look at the Bible here. This is a little parable that Jesus told us about a king who, who left his kingdom and he left all his servants in charge and he went on a journey and he came back later to give an account, asking the men to give an account. And what people don't understand is Jesus is talking about himself in the third person because he right now has went on a long journey, but he's coming back. Are you with me so far? Luke 19, 16 through 23. This is a, these are the three men who had to give an account that day. The first one came and said, Sir, your minor, your minor might be different. Your gift, your talents, your abilities that God has given you. Your minor, it's not just talking about your money. Your minor has earned 10 more. Well done, good my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in, in, in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. 
The second came and said, Sir, your money has earned five more. His master, master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here's what you gave me. Here's your mina. I took what you gave me. Here, I give it back to you. Your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth, and I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you didn't put in, and you reap what you didn't sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I didn't put in and reaping what I didn't sow? In other words, this man did not know Christ. He said, why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And so think about it like this. You may not be a great soul winner. You may not have the gift to be a soul winner. But let me just say it like this. When you participate in the giving of the church, when you give wholeheartedly to what God has given you, then all of a sudden you become part of something so much greater and bigger than yourself. You become part of those ministries that our church supports. You become part of the Jewish Jesus ministry. You become part of, of staying red. You become, you become part of everything that I do. It's like you get on stage with me, Miss Dolan, and we're like, because you're part of it. And so just because you can't win soul winners don't mean we don't have somebody who can't or can and so if Roger says, you know what, I'm going to go to, to Houston this week for the prison ministry. Can I get some money for the, yeah, how much you need in your tank? We'll fill it up because we're going to support anything that will bring in the harvest. Because we want to share in what Christ is doing. God is saying to us today, what do you have in your house? Paul lays it out on the table for those who say, I don't have nothing. I can't do nothing. I am nothing. He said, brothers, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly thing and the despised things and the things that are not so that no flesh may boast before him. God starts with nothing. We got to quit looking at what we do have in the natural because it never will measure up. Man, if I just had, no, 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 no. You got to remember, in the beginning, God said, God spoke. When God says, I speak over your life, you will go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you walk in and that anointing is falling on you. Then you say, you know what? God can use this. So this is where I close. I'm going to bring the story home to Millwood Church. Because every one of us today 
or in this story? Number one, we find the man of God who's willing to stand and ask a simple question. What do you have in your house? I'm playing that role today. That's my job. Now, let's look at our jobs. Our job is found in number two and number three, mainly number three. Number two, we can be like the widow who's going through a great trial and tribulation, who's going through great suffering and, and, and all these things, and she's being tested. That, that's pretty much all of us. But we are really found in number three because we are playing the role of her sons. What's their job? Their job is to go out and find pots, empty jars of clay, and bring them into the house of God so that they may be poured into. Your job next week is to bring in the jars and not just a few. And then we find God does his job. His job is found when he becomes the oil. Paul says it like this. But we have these treasures and jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. For we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. And so God is playing the role of the oil. Christian said, is there oil in the story? She's trying to get the sermon out. Is there oil in the story? I'm like, yes, I hope there's oil in the story. Because if the oil ain't pouring here, I'm in trouble. But the oil represents Jehovah Jireh. The oil represents the Holy Spirit of God. The oil that God's wanting to pour into these empty jars is himself. And he's not wanting just a few jars to fill up. He wants to fill every empty jar. You see, Samuel came to anoint David, 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. And Samuel then went to Ramah, Ramah. And so with that next week, the church, which is, is the house, is the story. This church is the house in the story. Should be filled with empty jars. Jesus said in Luke 14 and 23, King James Version. And the Lord said unto the servant, go into the highway, go into the hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be Filled. Here's the sad part of the story. Y'all want the sad part? The sad part is this. When there was no more jars, the oil stopped flowing. Think about it. You, you want to see God stop moving in the church? Quit bringing empty souls for him to save. He is about one thing, soul winning. And our job is simply this, 
Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Do you have a church? Oh, sometime I go, no, no, no. You need to come and visit our church, Millwood Church. Our preacher will get in your mailbox, outside of your mailbox, all around your house, and down your hallway. And you're going to leave going, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because truth will set you. People are looking for the truth. Empty jars all across America need the truth. They're waiting right now. Walmart is filled with empty jars. And you can't tell me you don't know some jars. Jar-headed rascal needs to get saved. Yes, he does. Yes, she does. We have the job, one simple job. God's not saying, I'm not asking you to preach to them. I'm not asking you to do anything but to bring them into my house so I can fill them. So right now, you should be running through your mind. Who can I call? Right now, I want you guys, if you don't have, get some of my business cards. It's got my phone number. I don't, they can call me. They got questions. Call me. Bring them. Give them a card. Give them an ad. Give them something physically. They can look at it and say, oh, yeah, I'm going Sunday to this church. Take your Facebook. Quit talking about you, yourself, and how you cook, how well you decorate. Quit talking about all that. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's take our ministry and go in every direction, north, south, east, and west, and bring them into the house of God. Why? Because Jesus, God so loved the world. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. I don't want the oil of God to stop flowing out of my mouth. I need some jars, man. I need some jars bad. I can't keep pouring it to you guys. You're walking out here just flowing all over you, everywhere in your car seats, all oily. We need some empty jars. I I want your lost friend, man. He's moving in. So you got to come next week. It's Easter. You got to at least come on Easter. My pastor said, I want an empty jar. I'm not empty. Yes, you're empty. So, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What can I use to get them in here? If we had to pay them to get them here, that's fine. Let's pay them. Let's get them in here. Whatever it costs, it's worth one so. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that what does a man profit if he gains the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his soul? One so. One so is worth the world to God. Jesus said, what do you think? If a man owned a hundred sheep, would he not leave the 99 on the hill to go look for the one that is lost? And once he finds it, he is more happy over the one sheep than over the 99 that, did not, that were not lost. He's more excited about one. Remember that sermon we had years ago about God's knocking over your first domino? It only takes one domino for all of them to start going. And Rob said, man, you knocked me over on that mess and got saved. That man don't even come to this church anymore, but he's 
always willing to do anything I would ask him. I can call him anytime. He'll be at my house only because I was willing to speak truth into his life and knock over his domino. That's the way he looks at it. Man, you knocked my domino over. I said, no, I didn't. It was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let's all stand. I know some of this was tough, especially on the garage sale. Oh, pastor, you had to go there, didn't you? No, I didn't. I got to. So now we got a decision. What are we going to do? We got two rooms of junk. Can he get into the classrooms? Junk. My house is lighter, but my wallet is still fat. My banking account is still fat. And our sign is not paid for yet when we have enough to pay for it last week. And so next week, as you pray, I want to see some giving like you've never given before. I, I want to see you give until it hurts. I want you to give in such a way that it gets the attention of Jesus. Where he stops church and says, listen, this person has given all that they have. I'm willing. I hope you are. I hope we're all willing to do far beyond what we can even think about. But God can take our little. I gave $20 this time. Hallelujah. And only had 10 to give. Wow. How did you do that? By faith. I told the story Wednesday. I told the story. Me and Kristen were struggling as young Christians. And six weeks, our pastor preached on giving. We were so sick of hearing about tithing and offerings. I said, you know what? We need to do this. And so each week, Kristen would give me $10 for my soda water. Hallelujah. I'd have chips, my sandwich, and soda water. That was, that's all I needed. And so each week, she gave me $10. And then Sunday night came, and Mr. Nixon was my mentor his roof was caving in, and they said, we need to take up a love offering for Mr. Nixon and fix his roof. I went into that little wallet, and I pulled out my $10 and said, you know what? I don't need a Coke. I'm going to sew right into it. Guess what happened? Monday, I went to the Coke machine, opened my wallet, and there was a $20 bill in there. I'm like, whoo, where did that come from? I called Kristen ASAP. I said, hey, did you put $20 in my wallet? She said, no. I said, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and so now I'm going through my mind, where did it come from? This is impossible. I, didn't, I know my wallet. I know where my driver license is. I know where my insurance card is. I know where my hunting fishing license is. I know where everything in my wallet. But, but where did this $20 come from? God says, I'll show you. And he did. He made something out of nothing. My Bible said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if you start going through a tough time, say, Jesus... I just need you to sell a few to those cows. Just get rid of a few. Hallelujah. Because our God is the provider. 
Every one of you who are giving faithfully to God, you can stand up here and give your testimony because we have seen that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you have only a little to give, I'm saying to you, please, give whatever it is you have to give because God's just waiting on you to be faithful with your littleness. Close your eyes with me. You may say, well, that preacher's just after money. I don't care about your money. But I do care about your faithfulness. Some of y'all don't even know that I, I don't even take a salary from this church. Been preaching 20-something years, never take a salary. I take a housing allowance. I know that, I know that most preachers make 65, 55, 75,000 a year for what I do for free. You know why? Because money don't mean snap to me. What means to me is getting God's people in God's will and doing exactly what he says. That means everything to me. Because I know he'll take care of me for the rest of my life and even farther into eternity. I trust him. We learned it as kids. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Boy, it's one thing to say, I trust him, but it's another thing to do it. Next week, you do it, man. Just do it. Trust me when I tell you, it will work for you. It will. I want to see jars like I've never seen jars. I'm going to come in Easter morning and tripping over jars. I don't see so many jars that have to get up here with me to preach. Jars everywhere. So when the Holy Spirit begins to pour like he's never poured into this church, we'll see God begin to fill people. And we'll say, hallelujah. I have, I have part of this because I brought my jar. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your people to the north, south, east, and west. Father, if someone here today needs prayer, Lord, let them come even now. And I pray with them. If they need salvation, Lord, right now, I want to pray with them and help them get saved, help them to get right. Lord, this week I spoke with three different people, one at Canton, two wherever, Lord, and, and, and one of those, three of those people said, oh, I'm a Catholic. See, Lord, everybody's trying to identify with their religion, but I want to identify myself as a Christian. Christos, Christanios. I want to identify as one of his crucified children. Father, I just pray, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for this young woman. Lord, I'm not even going to ask her what it is she needs. Because God, you know her desires. You know everything she needs before she even opens her mouth. Even now, Lord, I pray that you would begin to answer her prayer. You know why, Father? Because she stepped out by faith. To meet you at the cross. Now, Lord, send forth your word, heal, deliver, and make a way when there is no way. Lord, I see affliction. I see a lie running through her home. Father, I rebuke that lie. I speak truth over it in the name of Christ. Lord, I see someone struggling, Struggling with addiction. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that addiction in the name of Christ. I see a child suffering, Lord, because of addiction. 
And Lord, I just pray blessings over that child in the name of Christ. Lord, I pray you bless this child to the north, south, east, and west. Lord, I see a young child struggling with their health. I speak life over this child. Lord, I, I speak blessings over her finances. I bless her from the north, south, east. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, send forth your word over her even now in the name of Christ. And make a way when there is no way. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If your heart is asking, God says, I got that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for healing in the ears today. Pray, Lord, you open the eyes of the blind. You unstop deaf ears. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak over my sister by the grace of Christ right now. In the name of Jesus, I command these ears to be open. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over these ears that they may hear like never before. Open up these ears, Lord, and make a way when there is no way. Nothing worse than not being able to hear. Lord, send forth the word again and open up these ears in the name of Jesus and I'll call it done. Hallelujah. 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 Are you mad at me today? Hallelujah. I'm not mad at you today. Hallelujah. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be real? Are we going to be willing to give? Hallelujah. Are we going to be different when we come back next week? Hallelujah. If we come back next week the same way we left today, we did something wrong. We are not growing. If a child never grew and you kept giving the bottle and it never grew, you say something's wrong with this baby. But it's natural for us to grow. We grow in our mistakes, Sammy. Man, I made a bad mistake. I know. I'm growing because of it. I'm growing. You're growing. My legs are being strength, getting stronger. Hallelujah. I see Austin doing great things for God. We have to call things that are not as though they were. Speak life over him. Father, use this young man in the mighty name of Christ to be a vessel for you, hallelujah, that he will be used mightily in the end times, hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Christ, I speak over a hand right now. Feeling has left the hand in the name of Christ. I speak to that hand in the name of Christ. Feel by the power of the living God. Let the feeling fall into your hand in the name of Jesus. I speak to your heart right now in the name of Christ. Live. Yea, I say live. God says, when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thy own blood. And I said unto thee, when thou was in thy own blood, live. Yea, I said unto you, live. I was polluted in my own blood. The blood of sin. And God walked over me and said, live. Next week, God's going to walk down this aisle 
And he's going to say, live. And people will live, hallelujah. And the jars are going to be filled, and they're going to leave here saying, ooh, I feel different. I feel full. Not even craving Whataburger right now. Father, bless your people in the name of Jesus. Go with them now in Christ's name. Hallelujah. You guys have a blessed day.